Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone at Dino Game Theory on Twitter. This is episode 11. Let's roll. I am super excited. Uh, as always, I, I always say I'm super excited. I don't know why the hell I say I'm super excited. Maybe I just am. Uh, or I'm just telling myself that to get fired up so that you guys can have a good show. Uh, but, you know, week week eight in the books. Is that right? Oh, my God. So, you know, a great week of football. I got to tell you, though, you guys are going to be listening to this pod probably, you know, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. You know, and it's a special day. You know, we live in the United States of America. You got to get out there and vote. You know, even if even if you vote for Mickey Mouse, I think you got to go out there and vote. Uh, there's not a very inspiring situation. Maybe a lot of people are either inspired to vote for or against, you know, the incumbent. I think that's probably what people are inspired to do. But regardless of what you're excited to do, get out there and do it. You know, I've got a, I've got two kids and, you know, they're, they're, they're seven and four and, you know, I'm going to kind of drag them along with some masks on their face and show them how, how, how it's done and, 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 and take them to my local voting place and, and just kind of show them what it's all about and, you know, and go vote. Um, you know, there's, you'll probably find some things on the ballot. If you haven't looked at ballots, you'll probably find some things there that, that matter to you on a local level. And you'll be like, holy smokes, I didn't know this was, this was something that I could vote on. And that's what happens when you go vote. So, you know, if you've never done that before, get out there and do that. I know the, the, the guest I have today is, is probably a little bit more active than all that. You know, he's, uh, he was telling me earlier, he attends his local city council meetings. I mean, that's a hell of a, uh, that's a that's a hell of a hell of a deal right there, you know. And and a lot of us don't have time, you know. We work, we we host bad podcasts, we take care of our children, you know. We just don't have time to go to city council meetings. But you know, the the this really all starts locally and 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 to do what's right for your family. So you know, um, I think we're we're a little we're a little short on love in the world. So instead of uh, instead of uh, you know hating the the blue team or the red team, you know. Why don't you knock on your neighbor's door and invite them over for a, for a grill out or, you know, cheeseburger, barbecue, something, you know, um, love thy neighbor, right? Let's go do it. So whoever you vote for, you know, don't hate the guy who, who votes for the other guy across the street. Uh, you know, this is supposed to be America. Let's have some, let's have some patriotism, damn it. Um, and, and let me also be real patriotic and tell him my, my guest today that he's wrong every single time he has a take on a player. I can't wait. But actually, it's you. You all know him. You know, I've got a pretty cool guest today, and uh, I'm going to tell you, my guest this week is Ryan Loesch. You, most of you all know him. He's a Twitter legend, real rhinos at real rhinos, the rhinos, right? He's he's always posting, you know, all those damn rhinos taking shits in the middle of a street or or ramming a car over or something like that, and you know, so he's got this really cool vibe uh, on Twitter. He's one of the only guys out there, actually, who's kind of an asshole on Twitter, yet everybody loves him. That's why I, that's why I love him so much, too, right? Like, he's kind of rough and tumble, goes out there and says it like it is, but I've never met anybody who doesn't like him. And that's a hell of an intro right there. And without further ado, on the pod today, Ryan Loesch. Ryan, talk to me. Hey, thank you so much for that intro, Jax. You know, I'm just your your local uh, friendly neighborhood rhino, you know, so I can, I can be a little rough around the edges, you know, but... I got that thick leathery skin, so it's always love. It's always love out there. I love everybody on Twitter. It's a great community that we have, and so happy that we have that outlet to you know share our thoughts and debate and you know grow your network, make friends, make enemies. Who knows? You know, <laughs> it's just a 
It's a, f- a fun place to be. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Glad I got to meet you through here as well. Absolutely. You know, we became friends early on and, you know, before, uh, you know, before it started to blow up for, you know, what I'm doing and all that sort of thing. And and so I I, I count you as a real friend and, and I'm happy to have you on. So yeah, I'm, re- I'm really excited. Um, but that being said, I, I think, you know, you have a lot to offer. You know, I, I know you're in a lot of leagues. You really are uh, a man of the people. I mean that in a way, like you go out there and like you promote the whole community as a whole. I think that you really enjoy that. I always notice how like, you know, when you get involved in a, in, 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 you know, in a, in a Twitter stream, you know, it's like, it takes life. And I, I give you a lot of credit for that. I think that you really bring that energy and, you know, I've talked to you on a number of occasions on the phone and obviously before the pod, we, we had a long conversation and you bring that energy no matter what, which is why I wanted you on the pod in the damn first place, because you know, I think people really love hearing what you have to say. You're, you know, every time you're on a, a, on a pod or on a show, like you've done some, you know, the, what was it? The, were you on the food show? The one that, you know, a taco is a sandwich or a hot dog or whatever show was that? That thing was fucking I, I, hilarious. I, I wasn't on the food show, but I was on. <laughs> I was on Gemmo's. Uh, it was. It was the draft with what? What kind of exotic animal would you want to own? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. You're. You're. You're picture perfect for that sort of stuff. I mean, did you just answer Rhino every time? I mean, I could have definitely done that, but uh, <laughs> you know, I. I thought I had a kick-ass. Uh, if, if we were constructing a like an nfl squad i had all kinds of like cool predators and like you know big cats and an orca <laughs> whale you know <laughs> yeah nice nice well speaking of orca whales the uh the 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 nfl uh no, I, I gotta scratch that <laughs> <laughs> shit i just couldn't fucking i just couldn't flay him like that i was gonna say Speaking of fucking Orca Wales, we just watched Jason Peters and the Philadelphia Eagles. I just couldn't do it. It's not right. I don't want it. You don't want that. We don't want that. Oh, my God. What have I done? What have I done, Ryan? It's okay. <sighs> Sometimes you got a you gotta free will, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we did just watch the Philadelphia Eagles take down the Dallas Cowboys – I want to talk about this game real quick. We're we're going to get into some fun stuff. Ryan and I were going to talk about winners and losers and and kind of you know use that sort of you know tone to to as a jumping off point for a lot of other shit we're going to talk about. But I mean, can you even call this a winners losers game? I mean, I feel like this is just such a weird situation right now. What what are they three five and one or whatever? You know, three. Five, I mean, this is like ridiculous. What's going on in the uh, NFC East? Yeah, it's the most uh, pathetic performance I've I've ever seen from an entire division. There's there's no other way around it, you know. And and tonight it was like it was like we were watching amateur football. I mean, yeah. I, I I think there was more uh, more professional plays in in the collegiate ranks on Saturday than there was in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, I was looking at like I was just kind of peeking through the, some of the divisions and like. You know, right now the the NFC East. Not only are they all losing records, of course. You know, Philadelphia commanding lead in that division at three, four, and one. I mean, they're 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 definitely in the catbird seat. But you know, at that three, four, and one, they're they're just dominating. But they're also, you know, their 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 plus minus is minus nineteen, which is best in the division. And I mean, you look at like the NFC West, and every team in that division is over or five hundred or over. And plus 35 is the worst division. I mean, worst team in the division. So like 
all of them are so much better than any of this team. I mean, it's just a, I've not I've not really seen this in a long time. And with the division, I mean, with the uh, playoffs expanding to seven, it really couldn't happen at a better time. So that hopefully a a, a deserving team will kind of make it in this year. It'll sort of feel like you know this bullshit team that gets in from the NFC East will sort of you know just be the seventh one, and then the real six will be in, uh, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because you're right. It's it, nobody in that division feels deserving to even make a playoff spot right now. Uh, I mean, you know, you're you're getting your Philadelphia's getting its wins. You know, they shouldn't feel too happy about it with you know the Cowboys starting Danucci, who uh, oof, oof, <laughs> oof. Shout out Beasy, woof. Um, yeah, no, it's really ugly. I mean, um, you know, Dallas. I mean, here's the wow. I mean. I was all over Dallas this year. You know, I've got a ton of Amari and CeeDee Lamb, even Gallup, Zeke, like Jarwin, you know, now Schultz. Like I I, I was drafting Dak. Like this offense was definitely going to be awesome. And it was. We were so right. And, and could it be any worse? Like Danucci was like, I swear, man, it looked like a high school quarterback out there where they were just calling like three-step drop and like the only patterns available to a three-step drop, like little ins, little slants, like – it was really embarrassing. It's sad. It's sad for our fantasy teams. You know, I had to bench yeah. CD Lamb this week and uh, it didn't feel good, but it was the right call. Yeah. I didn't play him anywhere and I have him everywhere. So, yeah, I didn't. I, it just, of course, I'm not playing him. I mean, I, you know, I talked a couple of weeks ago. I forget who was on. I think it was, I don't remember who it was when, when he went down, but we were talking. I said, it's probably just take the volume and turn it down, like to, you know, uh, from what Dak was doing to what Andy Dalton will do to like 80%, you know, turn the volume from 10 or 11 down to like seven or eight. And it's with Danucci. It's like, I mean, it's zero, it's nothing. It's just, you can't count on any production whatsoever. So they need to get Andy Dalton back, which sounds crazy, but also I, you know, I floated this last week. I mean, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, can they make a trade? Like this is, you know, here's the thing is they they actually can win this division, which is flipping crazy. They're two and six, but they can make the playoffs and, Honestly, are you telling me this team – I mean, look, they're not going to win the Super Bowl with Jameis. I, I, I'm not saying that, but, like, they can't make noise with this offense. I mean, maybe they get a few defensive players back. I don't know. Their defense is just so horrid. Obviously, they're going to get smoked in any playoff game. They probably should just tank. Here I am talking myself out of it right away. But <laughs> it's just such a shame with this offense, right? Yeah, you. I, I think they've got to tank at this point. You know, Ugh. all we can hope for is that – and it's just heartbreaking, you know, the, the Dax injury, it just look at the ripple effects it's had, you know, it's, it's, it's not even fun making fun of uh, Dallas Cowboy fans now, you know, <laughs> they're so pathetic. It's true. <laughs> so it's, it's just it takes all the fun out of it. But yeah, like, I was with you, man. This was such an exciting offense, you know, you're, especially in redrafts, I was, I was drafting a lot of this offense and, uh, you know, it's just sad to see what they've become. And, and it, it makes you realize, boy, I, you know, I, I, you know, you can't predict injuries and it was a, it was a freak injury and, and, uh, but I, I just can't help but think what a terrible year poor Dak Prescott has had, you know, starting with the, you know, the, the debacle of the, the salary negotiations breaking down and, you know, him not quite getting the number that he wanted. And, and then you're seeing, you know, Pat Mahomes breaking sports records with, with his tenure, you know, half billion dollar uh, uh, salary that that extension he was given, 
and it breaks your heart because Dak was worth every penny of, you know, whatever he was asking for. And, and it, it's just showing like this team is in complete shambles because of the loss of one player. Yeah. I mean, it really, they were being held together by thread. Uh, we kind of, we kind of saw that, right? Like, you know, Dak had to play this perfect game for them to win 38 to 35, right? Like, you know, it wasn't like like they would lose 35 to 31 and people would blame Dak and you'd be like, well, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Like you just threw for 585 yards, four touchdowns, but that one pick, what a little son of a bitch losing the game for us, you know? And it's like, you know, so I, I just, you know, they're kind of getting what they deserve Dallas fans right now. But um, because look, Dak is, is, is sort of a free agent uh, unless I guess I think I, I think I mentioned they can like, the do the double franchise tag, which is going to be like some exorbitant amount. So they're going to have to woo him a little bit um, because if he basically just said, you know, I think they're going to, I think they're going to still pay his ass. I think they're going to pay him big because I think they see that they need his, they need him. They need a great quarterback. You know, no, no team this, I, I mentioned this last week, no team is going to really win in this league unless you have outstanding quarterback play. And speaking of outstanding quarterback play, let's get to some of the winners and let's start with Seattle. Um, you know, they certainly seem like a winner right now, the way they're playing. They, they won a big, um, division game. They really needed it. They kind of ran away with it. And then, you know, a little bit of garbage time from Nick Mullins. They were up 30 to seven, I think. And, uh, they kind of played a little prevent and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there was some garbage time, but other than that, they kind of steamrolled them. Um, you know, Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf is kind of a, kind of amazing, um, DK is now superhuman and it, this is unbelievable. So Seattle kind of comes away, big winners. They're six and one. They're looking really good in the NFC. What, what were your thoughts there? Yeah. They look like a juggernaut, you know, and right? they're, they're, they're the type of team, you know, Pete Carroll, you got to give it to him. You know, I, I can't stand the guy. I'm a 49er fan, but, uh, you know, he's got an eye for talent. He always drafts players that I like. And, uh, he always, he always gets the best out of his teams, whether, you know, we think that they have a lot of talent on them or not. Um, and they're always the teams that get better as the season goes on where you, that's where you want to be getting your wins, right? Is that, that. the end of the season, building that momentum going into the playoffs? Um, man, DK Metcalf, how is this guy not a top 10 NFL pick? Like it's right. just incredible. This guy, uh, the closest thing we've seen since Megatron, you know, like the, the size and the athleticism and the speed, it's just, you know, it's uncanny. And and he's going out there and, and he's becoming a, a, you know, really consistent, reliable player in fantasy as well. You know, it's crazy. Um, the, um, the, the, the Twitterverse sometimes likes to get, you know, I had Nikhil Harry, AJ Brown, then DK. So I had, I faded DK a little bit in rookie drafts. Of course, uh, I think you play in enough leagues with me to know that I definitely valued him in startups this year. But um the the it's interesting you know the NFL drafted him much later than that they were behind you know sort of uh you know anybody that i knew any any anybody that was evaluating this talent coming in nobody had him behind you know the likes of which he got drafted behind so the NFL missed on him way worse than you know dynasty twitter did so uh, you know, so it, but it's ugly. And, and I got to ask you this question now. I think it's, it's for me, it's clear. I've had him here for a couple of weeks, but is he the WR one in dynasty? You know, my 49er bias, I don't know if it'll allow me to, to put him number one, but yeah, he's making a, a strong argument for it. I mean, who the hell do you want over him? I'm just asking like, 
Like yeah, Devonta Adams is a stud, but he's also like five years older than him. I mean, is he that much better? Is he five years older, better than him? You know what I mean? I mean, with, when it comes to dynasty, I'm I like him young. You know, I'm I'm yeah. trying to get my team younger, and so I, I I build in the value of of younger players just based on you know uh, what we've seen, the sample size that we've seen earlier in their career, and where the trajectory goes. So it's like that's kind of how I evaluate it. And up until Dak uh, went down, I I was considering Ceedee Lamb up there. I I know that you know during rookie drafts. When when he started, when everyone was hot for the you know top five running backs, top four or five running backs this year, you know Ceedee Lamb all, all of a sudden became a value right in the middle middle yes. of the first round, and that was where the most action was coming from was people trying to move up to acquire Ceedee Lamb because you know he should have been a top two pick, and he's a buy low now uh, because oh, people are going to start to think uh, you know maybe it's never going to you know whatever. Yeah, he's a buy low. I, I mean, this whole, you know, and 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 dynasty game theory tip here. I mean, obviously again, I, I always say this, like you're not you're not buying players that are gonna underperform in 2020 if you're trying to win a chip. You know, you're gonna you're gonna look at your team and say, I don't really think I have an opportunity to win. So I'm gonna buy players like you know, I made a I made a list the other day. Someone was talking on Twitter and I it was like Cortland Sutton, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Dak Prescott. You know all these injured players. Um, you know Jarwin, OJ Howard. They're they're all fading a little bit, but as they come back, you know maybe some of them with the Achilles. Okay, you can talk me out of it. But you know basically any player that's like like this, like now Amari, CD, Michael Gallup. These are all good by lows because you know if someone's got them and they're competing, they might you know, make a trade that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense in the long term, but makes a ton of sense in the short term. And that's where you want to try and exact your value as a rebuild, or even as a team that's just not going to win the chip. You know, you may not be in a total rebuild, but if you can just add value in 2020, that's going to really excel in 2021. That's when you do it. So, you know, that's the type of trades I'd be looking for. But, you know, look, if you're competing, you're not going to, you know, trade uh, somebody that's, you know, an Allen Robinson type, for you know, you know, CD Lamb was going to just tank your season, and now you don't win the chip. But um, but yeah, you absolutely, you know, just you, you know, when you when you've got those type of opportunities, you take them. Um, you know, if I were a rebuilding team, I'd be looking to have all those guys because you know they're going to score you zero fantasy points. You know, Sutton, um, Dak, all these guys are going to score you nothing. Saquon, that's a perfect rebuilding team because then you get the first pick, you get all these picks, and you come back with all these guys, and they're like you're like loaded next year immediately. So it's a good way to rebuild if you can sell anything that you've got and, and upgrade it so to speak to these types of guys yeah i see that formula work year in year out you know it's it seems like a pattern really you know people uh like, what do you call it i like how you and you and uh mike liu put it the uh, iron bank the iron bank yeah that yeah. makes you know when you guys broke it down it makes so much sense you know uh you know when you when you invest in draft picks like they're they're the safest uh safest commodity you have right because you can't get hurt they're only going to accrue value the closer that you get to rookie drafts and so you know that made a ton of sense and you know i agree i I, i'm i personally think you know i come from a like the bill walsh standpoint i'm trying to rebuild every year regardless if i'm in last place or if i've you know defending champion like i i treat every year as a rebuild i'm always trying to 
you know, you're, you're trying to find those guys, you know, just before, just after their breakout, uh, you know, to, to acquire onto your team. Uh, that's, I, I hear a lot of people talk about wide receivers and, you know, you, you, you've mentioned that, you know, with uh, startup drafts is investing heavily in, in, uh, in receivers because they have, they have greater longevity usually in their career, right? Running backs are, you know, they're, they're in the highest collision. They're, they're basically getting into car wrecks every play because they're, you know, the, the uh, miles per hour coming from the linebackers and come, you know, that they're, that they're going, you know, 15, 20 miles per hour, uh, each size, so you get a 40 mile per hour collision, their careers aren't going to be as long, right? So you're, you're really only investing in, in running backs through their rookie draft. And if you're lucky, you get, you know, the Hall of Famers that are able to extend it, send their careers, you know, to a decade plus. Right. But, uh, you know, with wide receivers, I kind of go the opposite way. I, I'm always looking for the value in rookie drafts, like, you know, finding Devontae Adams, uh, back in what 2014, I got him, I think in the third round, you know, when he was coming out of Fresno state. And I like to, I like to spend low at rookie drafts usually with other than CD lamb this year. I, I I'm kind of more on the dart throw side when it comes to rookie wide receivers. And I don't mind, you know, paying top dollar once they've shown themselves on the NFL field that, okay, they, you know, they're able to compete at this level. Uh, so I, that's kind of my MO is I usually overpay for wide receivers once they've broken out and, and, uh, you know, try to acquire the young running backs as they're coming into the league and you don't always hit, you know, I, I like to consider myself a, a, you know, running back whisperer of sorts, but, uh, you know, even, even, uh, I get them wrong, you know, I thought Rashad Penny was going to be, uh, a tremendous, a tremendous player and, Rashad Penny might be a, 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 a good player. We don't know. You know, I mean, he's been hurt and it's been kind of hit and miss. But, you know, I think, um, you know, the one thing that we don't know, and I, I, you know, my brother and I were talking about Rashad Penny because we both kind of liked him. And we just wondered, you know, we were kind of reading the tea leaves as he was a rookie. And, you know, they started using the words like playbook, you know. And we wonder if he's just, I mean, this is speculative, by the way. I'm not saying it. But maybe he's just not a smart kid. You know, maybe he's having a hard time with some of this stuff. You know, there are knuckleheads. I'm not saying he is one, but we don't know who the knucklehead is. Like, you know, if you were to hang out in a room with 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 uh, JT, Swift, CEH, Akers, and Dobbins, one of them is probably a moron. I don't know which one it is, right? Like, one of them, you're like, holy shit, that dude, you know, right? And one of them's a Mensa guy, and you're like, that kid is smart. You you I don't know. That's not on the the, the player profiler page, right? right? Like. I mean, you know, and it's not really to judge, but, you know, and sometimes it's football smarts too and and passion and drive and all these other little things, these intangibles. And, you know, who knows? You know, it's kind of the Jamarcus right. Russell thing. I mean, right. that kid could With- throw it. He could play. But as soon as he got a contract, he was done. Like, right. you know, right. I've heard the Michael Lombardi stories about him where he was just mailing it in completely, had no desire to practice. And how do you know that? I mean, you know, you can – you know, there's some stories and that's what I, you know, I try to uncover some of that stuff, you know, as much as possible and listen to some of the guys that know, you know, guys like Lance Zerline and guys who are at the senior bowl, guys who are like, you know, investing their time to sort of be around these kids. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, you'd never really know. So it's you hard to say, know. but yeah, I mean, he just might be a, a, a knucklehead, but now he's a knucklehead with an ACL and right. You know, so it, it, it the chips are stacked against them, but that kid was electric uh, in college, obviously, but also, 
uh, when he hit the field uh, for Seattle, he made big plays. So, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of circumstance, you know, there's always, always a simple formula. It's basically talent times opportunity equals production, right? I mean, it's kind of simple in situation to some degree, obviously. And so you it's would basically have those three you inputs. Have, you would have thought that being a, you know, end of the first round pick, I think with Rashad Penny, it was a confidence thing. I think that, you know, also I'd like to mention that I'm a Aztec San Diego State alumni. So Rashad Penny was very, very close to my heart. You know, it's the greatest running back that my college had since Marshall Falk. And uh, I thought he put together one of the, the greatest rushing seasons I'd ever witnessed uh, with his with his uh, senior year campaign. Um, I, I think I still think he has tremendous talent. He's flashed on on the NFL field. Um, it, it could have been a learning curve thing. I don't think he was a dumb guy. Uh, I've seen enough interviews. I also like, I want to mention, I like to watch interviews of players so I can kind of, you know, get inside their head a little bit and, and make those type of assessments. And you, you when a guy talks, you, you, you get, you get to know them a little bit better, right. Then, and, and even taking it secondhand from, you know, quote unquote insiders and, and things like that. I, I want to go to the source and let's hear this guy talk. Let's see, uh, you know, what he's got under the hood. Yeah. And sometimes that it can be a false, false flag too. Right. I mean, in other words, you'll, you'll think you figured it out. So I always take those things as, you know, if I'm, if I'm counting my process, it's like, you know, I build my house on the foundation of the, of the metrics, you know, just basically taking, you know, the, the things that are most predictive and sort of stacking them a little bit and then taking some film and kind of putting that on top. And then some of these things are, those are window dressing. Those are things that are going to split differences for me. I'm not going to, you know, just heel toe on a, you know, heel turn on a player because, you know, he didn't interview very good in this one thing. I, you know, Hey, he could have been nervous. Who knows? So a lot of things like that, but I'm with you, you know, you try and get as much information as possible, but I always try to value those things as, you know, that's going to split the difference for me. Um, but there's a lot of split the differences for you. You know, you look at so many things and you say, God, how did I miss this guy? Or how did I get that guy wrong? And you go back and you try and figure it out. And that's what makes you a better player going forward. But, you know, it's it's kind of it, – it's really difficult because, like, I'm having so much brain damage over the James Robinson situation. <laughs> you know, I was so I, – I was, like, the highest on him pre-draft. Oh. I was – I had him at, like, RB13 or something like that pre-draft. Then he goes undrafted and – you know, I lose my will a little bit. You know, he goes to Jacksonville. He's behind all these backs, Fournette, you know, Reichwell Armstead, Zigbo, Chris Zigbo Thompson. You know, shotguns of Gatorade with Minshew, you know. Yeah, uh, like, you know, uh, Chris Thompson. <laughs> like, the, the, it, it hits over for James right. Robinson. And, you know, I, I'll admit, even in the, you know, Scott Fishbowl, the, you know, my, my Undroppables crew, we have a little DM. And I was one of the ones who was like, you know, I wouldn't put so much money on him. And I was dead wrong. And it's weird because I liked him as a player. Mm-hmm. What was it that I was missing? I go back to my process and I'm like, what was I doing wrong from from liking this kid? Then all of a sudden he has the situation that might be shaping up. And I just didn't have the strength of my own conviction. And, you know, that's what this is all about sometimes. You know, and, and, and for me, I don't like to go too um, too strong, like, you know, James Robinson is going to be the best, man. You know, and like you have this stupid ass take that, you know, you hang on to and, and, you know, you don't want to be that guy either. So you try to temper expectations, but you know, yeah, that, that, that's, what's vexing about this, about this. I really like, 
Yeah, like I really like Daryl Henderson last year, and, oh. but but then I kind of fell off a little bit. Now I don't have as much of him. I traded him in a lot of spots. Right. You know, I, it's just really hard to to know exactly what is the right move to make, and that's why you got to play the percentages. You can't always think you're right. You can't always think you're wrong, and you kind of have to just go with, like you said, sometimes it's your gut, you know, and you take all these things, you put them in the cooker, and sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to listen to your damn self. You just got to absorb all the metadata and just <laughs> trust that your, you know, your brains and your your guts can somehow sort out all that information and, and uh, you know, push you in the direction that you need to go. With James Robinson, boy, that one hurts because I'm a Leonard Fournette truther, so I own a ton of Leonard Fournette. And, uh, you know, I was, he was poised for a huge season in Jacksonville and, and they really did him dirty the way they cut him, uh, you know, a week, two weeks before the season began. And so, you know, in dynasty, uh, all of a sudden, as soon as Leonard Fournette got cut in all my dynasty leagues, you know, everyone was swooping up a Zigbo and, and, uh, James Robinson or whoever, if I had left Ryquel out there, you know, cause I wasn't cuffing Fournette for whatever reason, but it's like, yeah, I, I I enjoyed James Robinson's tape. He was obviously, you know, an Uber producer in, in college and high school. And, you know, he's got the, the small school that he's dealing with. So it's like, you know, strength of competition is it was a concern and undra- goes undrafted. But, yeah, he looked good. He popped on tape. And it seems like with the athletic measurables, it seems like the burst score is becoming like kind of the the – the one athletic measurable that you can hang your hat on. Cause I don't think he's particularly fast in a straight line speed or, you know, has great agility, you know, side to side movements or anything, but you know, he just has that one cut and go and boy, he just, he, he, he really pops. And I, I, you know, it's funny cause as quickly as he got nabbed up in, in dynasty, people were still not believing in, in redraft. So I, I ended up getting him everywhere in redraft and nowhere in dynasty and i'm so frustrated because of it (laughs) yeah i I was very much the same actually it's kind of interesting that you say that because i was all over him in in some of the redraft leagues i'm in and you're you're right it's just it's just funny how it is you know but um but you you mentioned the the burst and you know he he kind of ran slow but and you see that on film a little bit but you're right you're just looking for something elite something to stand out and you know, he was a workhorse in, in college. Of course, he went to a small school, so it sort of, you know, drowns out some of that production and and you mitigate it to some degree because, you know, if if uh, if a guy goes out and puts out unbelievable numbers for, you know, Mary's school for the blind, it's like, oh, well, you know, let's let, you know, how good is he, right? right? Well, he may be great. I mean, he did do everything he could at that school, but that doesn't spell as much uh, predictability as if he did that versus Clemson and Alabama and all these great teams, right? So it's just, it's hard, you know, but you looked at the kid and, you know, he's, he's got that perfect body size, you know, that 5'9", 5'10", 220. And he can, you're right, he was very bursty. You know, he could jump like a like a crazy person. So, I mean, obviously tons of leg strength and quickness. He was pretty agile and he was strong as an ox. And, you know, that shows up on on, on Sunday, right? He's able to withstand contact and continue to make plays and so he's been great and um you know we've had a lot of a lot of uh questions on the pod so i guess while we're here i'll ask you right so you know if uh, if you're betting the field versus james robinson you've heard this question i know we talked um the field versus james robinson who is going to lead the 
uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in touches game one of 2021. It's going to be James Robinson. That's an instant call. There we call. go. It's there an instant go. call. And the reason, is, the reason is, is because when I look at the 2021 draft, you've got the two elite running backs, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris at the top. And I think that Jacksonville has such a bad taste in their mouth drafting Leonard Fournette with a top four pick that they don't want to invest any more draft capital or any or, or potentially get some type of, you know, entitled running back that, you know, just thinks that they're going to walk into an, a, a contract extension. Uh, the interviews I've seen with James, Robin, uh, James Robinson, he is a, a humble family man. He knows what opportunity he has. He's very articulate and he's doing it for all the right reasons. He loves football and, uh, you know, he's, he's just relishing in, in, in the fact that he's, he's been giving these opportunities. And I think Jacksonville's buying into that. They, you know, they're a franchise that, you know, wants to keep things on the cheaper side, I think. And who knows what's up with them? Like, are they moving to London at any point? Like that's always been like speculated for, for a long time. Like I, if anyone's going to move, you know, over the pond, it's going to be them. We shot, uh, Shabby Khan, you know, he owns, one of the Premier League teams, he owns a uh, he owns a stadium uh, over there in London. So um, you know who knows what type of like financial burdens that's going to bring if they do need to move to London or, or or what have you. But that's all speculation. In the next, you know, definitely by twenty twenty one, I'm going to say it confidently that James Robinson is the featured back on the Jacksonville Jaguars. They love him. We love him. You know, he, top three, top four fantasy running back producer this year um he's only getting better he's he's active in the passing game uh you know he's fast enough and you know he's he's hard to bring down so uh uh he looks like he looks like a, a bell cow featured back and you know i'm i want to buy him for as cheap as possible anywhere i can but his price uh continues to go up every week yeah, those days are over. Uh, you're you're buying him for the iron price, as we like to say, right? He's he's definitely not a cheap buy right now. But you know, hey, look, <clears throat> I picked the field, and and it's not again not because of anything I don't like about James Robinson. I, I've stated it a few times. It's just I'm dubious. Uh, if he if he hangs on, he's gonna have to hang on tight. Is all I've said. And so far, he's hanging on real tight, and I love it. I hope he has a 10-year career. I hope he gets a second contract. I hope he breaks the bank. I hope he's awesome. Like I, there's no negativity in what I'm saying. It's more just that reality of, you know, these guys don't uh don't usually stick. Um, you know, one of the best corollaries I can give you is is uh Philip Lindsay. You know, maybe it'll be one or two years, but usually they bring someone in. And I mean, I watched Denver. I think Philip Lindsay's probably a, a more, you know, impressive back than Melvin Gordon when I watched that team play, but for whatever reason, they felt like they needed to bring in that guy, pay him money and play him ahead of him. I don't get it, you know, but um, you know, so what, it isn't what I would do. I would definitely, if I were the the front office of that team, I'd be like, sweet. We found a guy who we can pay nothing. Who's going to start at running back for us. A hundred percent. He would be. So let me be clear. hundred percent. He would be my uh, 2021 touch leader for game one, unless I somehow found someone, you know, better the same way I found James Robinson, which is unlikely. So yeah. So I'm with you a hundred percent, you know, but 
I'm not sure it will happen just because of the way that the NFL works and all that sort of nonsense. So I'm dubious, but I also think uh, that that's what I do. You know, some some other winners, you know, obviously uh, Pittsburgh beating up, uh, you know, Baltimore was a huge win. Um, you know, I, I was really impressed. I thought the other big one for me was, you know, uh, Buffalo and Miami. You know, so Buffalo beats New England and that was a game New England needed to have. It was really entertaining toward the toward the toward the end. And Cam gets the ball knocked out of his hand. They were at the twenty yard line. You know, they were going in to score. They might have even scored a touchdown there. You know, I know the the you know the the, the highlights kept saying and they were in field goal range. They were in touchdown range, man. They were in winning range. They were moving the football right on down the field. It was a that was a tough break for the Patriots because they win that game and everything tightens in that division. They lose that game and it feels like, you know, it was a two-game swing. So huge win for Buffalo, huge gut punch for Cam Newton. Miami wins, huge gut punch for Patriots. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to say about uh about that game really um i didn't i didn't see much of the i was on the road for most of the day so i didn't get to catch too much of the highlights but yeah uh new england's they're they're in a weird weird place right now you know it's uh like cam's not not quite playing at the the level he was playing at at the beginning of the year i don't know if that's you know a, a injury issue confidence issue what it is um, you know, you got Nikhil Harry out, not that he was, you know, really doing much, but yeah, what, I don't know what to make of the Patriots right now. I really, well, don't. they're terrible. Let me tell you, I'm a Patriots fan. They're not good. The, the defense had a lot of opt outs, you know, a lot of leaders, you know, right. Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower. I mean, Hightower is just such a leader. I mean, he is, you know, he was getting a little old, but you know, but all evidence would say that he was going to have another good season and be another just stalwart of that defense they're not the same on defense they don't have the same you know uh run stopping ability they don't they're unable to get to the quarterback they lost kyle van oy and other guys left the landon roberts or whatever his name was went you know they're they're all gone so they lost a lot of players they had a lot of opt-outs um of course they draft like shit every single year so they don't have any good player you know it's just a it's a it's a nightmare you know brady was sort of the you know the 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 chewing gum that was holding all this stuff together and, um, you know, and, and even he couldn't do it last year. And we're seeing that obviously he's got the ability to, to elevate a team that was really close. And they were just 30 interceptions away from being a good team last year. Uh, you know, this Tampa Bay team. So, uh, now they're, now they're good. Imagine that they just got a guy who doesn't throw 30 interceptions and right. fumble 12 times and they're, they're winning. What do you know? Um, but yeah, I thought the Patriots, uh, tough loss, obviously the Niners too, I th- it, what's weird again, and we talked about that division. You know, the Niners still have the ability to to make the playoffs. They're four and four. I, I, I'm just, you know, that that team is the hardest team to handicap right now because they get smoked or they smoke people. I don't understand what the hell's going on with that team. We've That's been, your team, right? Yeah, it is my team. What uh, the hell? I mean, the 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 decimation of injuries this year has been massive, and that's that's part of like. You know, we don't know. We don't even know who's going to be starting at running back each week because everyone's getting hurt. Like, I'm so frustrated that I cut Jamichael Hasty in a ton of dynasty leagues when Mostert was balling out and he looked buried on the depth chart, was still on the practice squad. And sure enough, as soon as I cut him, he gets you know promoted to the active roster, and all the running backs in front of him go down. So, uh, I, I think it's you know not having Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa was such a such a linchpin in our defense. And I think that, 
you know, we've been getting exposed a lot without the the premier pass rush that we were putting on the field week in, week out. Typical fan blaming injuries for the loss. I hate to see it. I mean, let's let's remember that Philadelphia lost their entire offensive line, both of their tight ends, all of their wide receivers, and their starting running back. I don't hear Carson Wentz getting any excuses made for him, so let's not make him for Jimmy G and his fragile-ass ankle and his terrible – I mean, he's not very good. Let's just put put it that yeah, way. Let's, let's if you're redrafting, if you're redrafting quarterbacks, NFL, you and I are GMs, right? And we're, you know, obviously, all the quarterbacks would go immediately. If we're just drafting quarterbacks for, you know, he's not top twenty. No, right? As much as it hurts to say he's not, you know, I, he's not. You know, you want that quarter. Like we were talking about it today, my friends and I, and. Uh, you want, you want that quarterback that has the ability to make plays when the the play that's ran begins to break down. That's that's what Pat Mahomes brings to the table. That's what Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. And uh, Jimmy G just doesn't seem to possess that. You know, he's he is a system quarterback. He's very accurate, you know, when he's show, throwing short and inter, intermediate throws. And he was even accurate last year throwing deep throws, but he just he doesn't have the powerful arm. He can't make, you know, the he can't drive the ball in. He th- he throws a pretty ball, but yeah, he's like a deer in the headlights when it when when the play breaks down and and he's got to improvise. And uh, you know, we've got a lot of outs in his contract, so it's going to be interesting to see like the the quarterback crop in the next two three years is going to be tremendous, Correct. tremendous coming out of college. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of the guys that are are playing in the NFL right now. Like you're saying, if they're not top 10, top 15 caliber, they're going to get replaced very soon. Yes, sir. It's funny you say that because that was literally where I was going. So you're you're hitting it perfect because I was just about to say, you know, as a dynasty, uh, you know, you know, signal what we should be looking at right now is be careful and maybe even trade those quarterbacks away. Like I'm nervous for a lot of these. First of all, you you look at the group of Brady. Breeze, Ben, Rivers, Ryan, even Rodgers to a slight degree. But that's about – am I missing any of the old guys, right? So those guys, that's six spots that are going to, you know, maybe in one year to three years are going to be replaced. Maybe Rodgers plays longer, of course, it's possible. Um, certainly maybe Ryan too, although I don't know if he's earning the ability – to say I'm playing till 45 or 42 or 40, right? He might get replaced not on his own volition. So you look at all those quarterbacks, and then you start looking. Haskins has already been replaced. How long does Teddy Bridgewater and Gardner Minshew last? Um, you know, uh, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke. So a lot of these quarterbacks that I think we're seeing that, you know, may feel a little bit like, oh, yeah, they're they're good now. That's a lot of them. However, however many I just named um, is a lot. Now, when you look at the top, you know, look, Mahomes, stud, not going anywhere. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, huh, interesting. <laughs> Dak Prescott, obviously Herbert and Burrow. Uh, the next guys that I'd throw in there right now would be Lawrence and Fields. I, I think that's where I'd have them because they're going to be playing and I think they're going to be good. And then guys like Carson Wentz. Ryan Tannehill's been playing like a stud. And, and then that meaty middle, I call it, with 
Stafford, Goff, and Mayfield. Not so sure what I think about all those guys. Cam Newton, you know, it's going to be interesting. Derek Carr, right? So maybe a few of those guys go down too. Stafford could retire. You know, I don't know. So they could replace Jared Goff in a year or two when his contract becomes something they can get rid of. So I think I agree with you 100%. And with, you know, this uh, this quarterback draft in 2022 and, and even 2023, I'm not as familiar, to be honest with you. I'm about one year out usually. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Debbie player. I'm kind of a, you know, I, I scout one year out. That's about as far as I can go. Although when you do that, you start to hear about and know about a little bit further out. And But what I understand is 21, 22, and 23 – look to have a lot of quarterback talent. So, you know, if you're rebuilding, that can be a good way to do it. Sell your quarterbacks that are in the meaty middle or worse and go ahead and get yourself some future first because those could be the players that are going to take the place of those guys anyway. Yeah, I think I think we're approaching the the place where there's going to be an oversaturation of talent at every position. So, uh, with that, I, I anticipate a lot of turnover at, at, at every position. So that's, again, why I always I, – I want to identify the talent and the producers, but I want to also get them as young as possible, right? Like yep. that's always my philosophy. And so and, – and being able to move on from a player and still get, you know, a quality return from them, like that's what Bill Walsh was so good at, right? And so employing those, those same principles into your, you know, dynasty management – Again, it goes back to every year should be treated as a rebuild, whether you're, you know, one or last. It doesn't matter. Like you just continue to get younger, continue to get producers on your team and identify those those edges and margins like you were saying, like like be ahead of the curve. See where the hockey, you know, skate to where the puck is going, as yeah. you would say. Right. You know? And uh you're yeah, you hit it right on the head. Like I'm I was moving Jimmy G. Luckily, I, you know. A lot of my my dynasty leagues are home dynasty leagues, so I'm I'm playing with a lot of Niner fans. So it's 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 always easier to get more value out of yeah. individual Niners than it would be otherwise. Well, that's actually a, a a little pro tip too. Is like you know, I mean, you're playing with a guy and he's got the Dallas Cowboy as his avatar. You know, the big star. You're like, oh boy, here we go. I'm gonna offer him Zeke. You know what I mean? And you're just gonna kill him. So yeah, I always know what your what your uh, you know uh, co owners or co managers uh, out there are. You know who their favorite teams are. You know Beezy, uh actually said that he looks at other leagues they're in with them and and see types of trades they've made or transactions or whatever. And I'm like, man, that's that's gangster. That but it's true. Like whatever information you've got is helpful. So let let's get to let's get to some of the, let's get to some of the good stuff. We're gonna ask we're gonna ask Ryan a question. You ready for this one, homeboy? I'm ready. Is Dalvin Cook the the RB one in Dynasty today? Are you Are you really ready? I'm ready. Yeah. My body is shaking. I'm so excited for the answer. Lean in a little closer. I'm ready, baby. Tell me. Dalvin Cook is the RB one overall in Dynasty. That is so strong. I love it. That hot take brought to you by the Undroppables Fire Takes, right there, baby. Uh, I love, I love it. So, I mean, look, every, like whoever knows me knows I am like the biggest Dalvin Cook guy. I've got him everywhere. You know, it was a great week for me. 
because I have him in a lot of spots. And of course, if you had him, he scored like 40 or 50 in some spots, like depending on scoring. I had someone uh, tweet me today and they showed me like th- that he scored 100 in their league or whatever. I'm like, what? whatever <laughs> cool scoring that is, he scored 100 in that league. But I was like, okay, good. But like he had a great week. It was fantastic. He is so good. He is so awesome. And I, you know, everybody hates him because, or no, excuse me. The people that hate on him hate him because it's like, well, he can't stay healthy, man. You know, the guy had one ACL. Other than that, he dominated college every year he was there. And he's been great in the NFL every single year, except the year he popped his ACL. Totally, totally irresponsible of him. And and then the follow-up year, which I actually had faded him in redraft and everywhere in that in that year because, you know, running backs coming back off an ACL is a tough spot. But when we look at him and you start comparing him to Alvin Kamara, uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, Saquon Barkley, and CMC, there's a conversation there. I, I really think he's he, he vaulted up for me today, but, you know, Really, he was always there though, for me anyhow because he was in that sort of top group, the Zeke group, that 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 top group, and so I have no problem with it. You know, um, you know, I certainly wasn't trading him for anything at all. You know, you know, it just, someone had had tried to get him and, and offered me Saquon plus, and it's a competing team. I was like, pass, get out of here. Dalvin's at least equal to Saquon, especially now. Um, but even even when they're rolling, it's like it's not that much of a difference. And, you know, um, yeah, I'm with you. This Dalvin situation is good. I mean, the only the only concern we must have is if we're if we're saying that is Kirk Cousins. That's not a concern of mine at all. Like this, okay. this team has a, a running philosophy. They they you know, for the last three years, they've been one of the. The, the top running teams, uh, you know, rushing attempts in the league, they they made a statement. They they know that they run through the running backs. Whether you know Dalvin's in there, if he goes down, they've got the insurance policies of Alexander Madison and Mike Boone, who are both more than serviceable running backs. Um, yeah, Dalvin Cook. Really, the only narrative that you can leave him out of the you know top three, four, five conversation was the injury concerns. And, you know, he did have a couple shoulder operations uh, in college to, you know, repair a labrum. And of course the ACL tear for, for me, uh, somebody who's blown out their ACL twice and wasn't able to recover, you know, and, and be back to, you know, a hundred percent, hundred percent performance level. And then, you know, blew out the ACL again. It's really, really difficult to come back from major injuries. It's extremely difficult. And so for me, I, I'm always looking for the clean bill of health when I'm when I'm investing in players. I, I want the clean bill of health. I want a clean bill sheet because you never know. You never know what these guys are made of. And, you know, more often than not, you know, 80, 90 percent of the guys that deal with these massive major injuries, they're going to fold. And uh, when you see a guy like Keenan Allen or Dalvin Cook just come back and, and are better than they even were, you know, when they had their, you know, intact ligaments that they were born with, uh, those, the, when you identify those players, they're special. That, that's how you know they are, they are tough as nails. They're as tough as they come. And uh, because when you start getting injuries and they start piling up, 
the biomechanics of your body, you know, starts to overcompensate in different areas and leaving you likely to, to injure, you know, your hip on the other side or your ankle or your knee or whatever have you, because you're overcompensating, trying to protect the, the injury that you've sustained. And you have to like completely exit that out of your mind. And it's like anybody that's ever come back from a major, major injury, like a, you know, torn ACL or, or any type of ligament damage knows the, you know, the road of difficulty it is to get back to their performance level that they, you know, that they once knew. And so again, Dalvin Cook to me is an all-time player. I, we've, we've seen him sustain major injuries in college, but he's been a mega producer at every level of the game and right from the start, right from the onset. And people don't, people forget how shitty Florida state was after the James, James, uh, Winston era and Dalvin cook like single-handedly carried that program, which was later inherited by cam Akers, who, you know, was a pretty average back there, you know, with that terrible offensive line, but because Dalvin was just producing so well. And like, like I said, single-handedly keeping Florida state in games and winning games, they were still in conversations when Dalvin cook was there. And I don't think he was dealing with, you know, much better offensive blocking than Cam Akers was. Well, and and we've seen now, I mean, you know, Saquon got hurt last year. He got hurt this year. CMC got hurt this year. Kamara got hurt last year. Um, Kamara was hurt in college. All these guys get hurt, okay? They're playing running back. Of course Mm -hmm. they're going to get hurt. So the injury ninnies can go suck it, okay? That's what they can do. Dalvin Cook is arguably the best running black running back on the planet. I mean, you just watch him play, and if you don't think he's dope, then you're watching a different game. Of course you don't want him to get hurt. And, you know, all the fading of Dalvin Cook, and I love the Alexander Madison's going to take over. Get the hell out of here. Dalvin Cook is an absolute stud. And, you know, I would have a hard time right now if you had to to tell me who should I take, Dalvin or Kamara or Dalvin or CMC. You know, I'd have a hard time. I'm with you, man. I, I definitely would. If we were managing a team together, you could easily talk me into taking Dalvin over any of those guys. I, I think because I think volume, he's as much of a player as any of them. But you know, I, so so why not? His volume speaks for itself. You know, like that's if, if you're splitting hairs with with the other top elite running backs, like Kamara. For me, I've I've just never liked the the volume that he's gotten. Right, so it's like he has to rely on super efficiency, which he which he is, and. uh but you can't always rely on that. Same with CMC. Like I'm concerned like with the narrative that Mike rule has been putting out that we're going to keep Mike Davis in the mix and to keep, you know, CMC fresh. And I kind of believe him, <laughs> you know? So yeah, uh, I think, you know, Kamara is always a little bit sketchy for me because he's not a running back. Like yeah. he'll, he'll run the ball, you know, eight to 12 times a game. But you know, if it's a, he's not a, you know, he's a wide receiver type player, you know, he catches a lot of passes and, Boy, I watched the, almost all that game today, or you know that that New Orleans game against Chicago, and the coaching or the play calling didn't look it didn't look good to me. Um, you know they they were they were down wide receivers. Callaway was out. Obviously, Michael Thomas was out. You know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders was out, um, it, and yet they 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 still couldn't necessarily get Kamara uh, into the middle of the field. They kept just running him to the sideline or they put him on the sideline and have him run a go or something. I was like, man, get him into some creative spots where he runs that option route. That's when he's so deadly. 
it just runs right at a linebacker and goes left or right. And you guess which way I'm going. And I'm open every time. And they didn't run that with – I didn't think they ran it enough, especially when they really needed to score. So, you know, but that aside, you know, that's what I see with I see Camaras. I, I see that yeah. sort of half-wide receiver, you know, uh, and, and somewhat of a running back. And that's almost good too because then he's averting some of those hits longevity. and some of that pounding. For they kind of let Latavius Murray kind of, you know, withstand all that nonsense. Um, so – but, you know, Drew Brees is probably on his last season. I think this is the farewell song for him. Uh, that's what I've heard. Obviously, he's, he's more than welcome to play next year, but I'm not so sure that happens. Um, you know, they, they gave he's a big contract. Got contract. Yeah, they've got the Taysom Hill contract to take care of everybody, right? Right, you know but also saying? Drew Brees already has his network contract already in play. Right. So he can opt out. He's got a, he, So he's, he's got next year as well. But he can opt out at the end of this year. And like you said, there's been a lot of rumors that that he might do that. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, the the situation, of course, if they won the Super Bowl, I think he'd probably walk away. And, you know, there, there's probably a way that he comes back if it's a you know, certain type of thing. But, you know, that, that whole team is really screwed with the salary cap. They're absolutely – this is like kind of the last year before everything just – they're going to have to release like half their team. It's going to be – a bloodbath in terms of roster management there. So they're going to have a hard time, you know, putting a good, a, a good team on the, on the field. And, you know, who knows if that helps or hurts Camara, but yeah, I definitely, I, I, you know, I've always kind of liked Dalvin ahead of a lot of players that other people didn't. Sure. So for me, it's an easy one, but um, you know, on to, on to the next winner, I'm going to kind of group this, this whole. I'm, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry oh, to go cut for you it. off. I just wanted to add one more thing with Dalvin. I made a tremendous trade in one of my longest standing dynasty leagues. Oh, I had the number, it. I had the number two overall pick and you know, I'm, you know, one of the biggest JT truthers on the planet. And so Me and you both. as much as I, I tried, I wasn't able to obtain the one oh one who also, you know, had another JT truther that wanted him. So uh, it was left with the decision of CEH or uh, I I ended up flipping the 102 for Dalvin Cook, Mike Boone, and I think like the 202 or something. And so it it was a fantastic day for the Rhinos. Yes. Yes. That's actually a great lesson right there. Like, you know, you're the guy drafting CEH is hoping with that pick that he that he drafted Dalvin Cook. Like, what else is he hoping for? What else? Right. Like, right? Like, oh, my God, I hope CH is as good as fucking the guy you just traded him for? What are you doing? So, yeah, absolutely. That's a great trade. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not trading, you know, a player of that ilk for, you know, for that for that lone pick. So, great, great trade. Um, but a lot of guys will because there's that, you know, it's that black box. It's that CEH is going to be the – the number one running back overall. I mean, he's going to be CMC, but on Kansas City. And, right, you right. know, our imaginations yeah. are allowed to go wild. And yes. we've seen Dalvin Cook before, and he's only awesome. So forget about him. And you just want a younger one, a younger version of that, I guess. And like the newer <laughs> right. or the newer toy of that. And I, you know, when the offer got presented to me, I immediately flipped on, you know, the CEH highlights and then the Dalvin highlights right after. And I'm like, my God, Dalvin is just so much more explosive. He, he jumps is. off the screen. You know, he just he's just incredible. His athleticism. He's a much better football player than CEH. That's not even a that's not even a conversation worth having. Right. Um, but here's here's one worth having. And I'll I'll ask it this way. So there's two winners. Again, you know, we see them just keep keep putting it together. 
and I kind of group them together, but I'll ask first. So it's basically, you know, the Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, and, and, and Higgins. I mean, T Higgins, that whole, that whole thing is working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're, uh, if, if you're, if you're rostering Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, or Boyd, or Higgins, you're feeling great because they're tied to this Herbert Burrow, Burrow, uh, you know, train and, and that train's not going anywhere. And if uh, Lynn keeps coaching the Chargers, they're going to keep giving up big leads and keep giving up a ton of points. So Herbert's going to have to throw for 60 minutes a game to to even lose by seven. So, But I got to ask, uh, Herbert or Burrow in Dynasty, who you got? I think you know which direction I'm going. I'm going with the pedigree of, of Joe Burrow. I, I, I was a believer from – you know, in fact – his uh, junior year at LSU, there were some, uh, even though his stats didn't even compare to a senior season, I saw flashes. I saw, I, I, I remember telling my dad, we were watching an LSU game when they were underperforming, and I, I saw flashes of Joe Burrow. I said, that's an NFL quarterback right there. And of course, nobody knew the ascension he would have the following year, and LSU just totally throw you know you, when you think of lsu you think of like you know three yards in a cloud of dust <laughs> for their offensive play calling and so it was just like such a shock to see them completely open it up uh and and so for me joe burrow uh i've got him as a a, a top four dynasty quarterback uh herbert boy it just it's painful how much oregon held him back isn't it like uh, like he had all the tools we knew we knew that he could be molded into something we just uh, sometimes you know you get a little gun shy when when you have to rely on such like a, a raw prospect but he had all the tools there we 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 knew for 2 years i remember you were saying you know if you say you did the draft you know the year before uh, Herbert might be going 101 in, in Superflex drafts, but he had an up and down senior season. Uh, Burrow wouldn't have been drafted at all. Exactly. But yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that, you know, winning the national championship and and just the level he, he was, he was playing on Mars. He was so far ahead of the game last year. And, uh, you know, everything I've, I've seen to this point, I own, I own a lot of Burrow shares. Uh, and, and Higgins, I, Higgins was actually my wide receiver too throughout the entire NFL draft process. And when he went with the first pick in the second round to Joe Burrow, I was like, Oh, this is such a slam dunk. And here I am getting him like mid second round. And I'm, I'm just like, you know, this guy is to me was so close to in, in my perceived value as CD lamb. Uh, even I had him ahead of ahead of Justin Jefferson, and again, like I was just sitting back and waiting because I knew I could. I think that's really smart. Um, you know, T Higgins, T Higgins, and Justin Herbert were both those guys that if you kind of, you know, uh, push the pause button before that whole draft process, and you know, T Higgins was a stud. Uh, there, he was a can't miss, no doubter, top three guy, and you kind of stuck to your guns there. And I think that's smart sometimes. You know. We didn't really see anything that told us anything different that T. Higgins wasn't going to be good. We just got a little nervous, like we get with every prospect. You know, we got nervous when Dalvin Cook ran a slow three cone, and we got nervous when DK Metcalf ran the slowest three cone, and we got nervous when, you know, right? We get nervous, right? Because 
we've we've been we've been hurt before. You mm-hmm. know, we don't want to be hurt again, right? I mean, it's true. We 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 get these players and and they just they burn us. You know, Brashad Perriman and Doriel Green Beckham and Kevin White and the list goes on. So we're always sort of looking for that. And and T Higgins had a little bit of that smell coming off him, right? But really he didn't because he was awesome from the get. He was always great, you know, but sometimes when they play with these really great uh, quarterbacks, we, we wonder, you know, um, was he just elevated from his, uh, from his uh, surroundings? Now I, you said something that I'm going to have to circle back to. You told me that Joe Burrow is a top four dynasty quarterback for you. Go ahead and tell me your top three then. I think I know who they are, but my goodness. I'd have to go Pat Mahomes as my number one. I'm actually putting Kyler. I'm a huge Kyler Murray fan. I'm putting him at number two. Um, And then Lamar Jackson, you know, the reigning MVP, you know, even though he's, you know, people are saying, oh, he might've gotten figured out. And this is, you know, Roman's MO, right? Like they, they figure out his quarterbacks after a year and, uh, you know, but they were still in, you know, in position to win that game against Pittsburgh today. And I, I still think that Lamar is, you know, one of the tremendous talents in the NFL. So uh, he's going to be there at three. And then, yeah, I got I got Joe Burrow right behind there. I think that, like I said, his pedigree, I love the what is he? He's top three in in uh, in uh, passing attempts and passing yards. And this is all as a rookie. Like we're we're it's still a learning curve for Joe. He's still got the training wheels on, you know, and so it's like. It's really exciting to think that he's going to be pushing a lot of the, you know, rookie records to the limit, at, uh, you know, on all categories uh, for a rookie quarterback. And so I'm very excited to see where all the stats end up at the end of the year for for Herbert and Burrow. But yeah, so I, I really, I really like Joe Burrow, and I really like Justin Herbert. But when do you think Russell Wilson's finally going to break out? Then, if you have him behind Joe Joe Burrow, I mean. How how is that possible? I mean, so Russell's number five, but again, you know, I, I have to, you know, put the the uh, you know caveat in here that I'm, you know, I have a strong, you know, bias against the Seattle Seahawks. You know, I, I really, <laughs> oh, I really try I to, see. I get burned. I get like anytime I try to roster a Seahawk, I get burned. And, and I see, I back, see. Well, but, this is fine. Then this is great. I love that. That that's great. You know what? Take your stupid Seahawks and go shove them up your ass is what he's saying, all right? Listen, I don't care how good he is. Eventually, I don't want to hear any more stories about him. Get him out of my face. I like right. it. Get him out of here. That's I fine. Just, I, 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 when I see Seahawks on my roster, it just – You become ill. Yeah, I mean, like it, it feels like this, there's a stench coming off my phone, you know? It's like yeah. I just don't want to even look at them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. There's fandom just playing its way right in. And, you know, that that's what you were talking about. Go with your gut. And honestly, in a lot of ways, it's like, you know, this whole Russell Wilson thing. First of all, I think he's like the most – I mean, so for me, it's so clearly Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, you know, again, we're going back to that GM thing. If we're just drafting players, to me it's – if, if I, I'm taking whichever one you don't take. That's the one I want. I don't even – if I have the first pick, I'm I'm re- that's how good Russell Wilson is. He's, right. He makes me think: Is he even better in a one game game? You know, like for a game for my life. Who do I want? Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson? It's one of them. I don't want anybody else. None of them. 
None of them. You can have all the other quarterbacks. And I just want one of those two guys to lead me in a one game that I need to win to save my life. I mean, yeah, you can't argue that, you know, uh, and Russell, he's such a fantastic player. If there's, you know, any Seahawks, you know, of course I, I despise the team and, you know, the fandom and all that, but it's hard not to root for the guy. He's, he's a tremendous person. You, you could tell, you know, how much he cares and, and just his love for the game, just, it, it just oozes out of every pore of him. And so, you know, as much as I despise playing against him and he, he slaughtered us today, it's like, you can't help but take your hat off to him. And the funny thing is, is once those players have gone and retired, you, you, you miss that, that rivalry and you, you end up, you know, enjoying those players, uh, you know, after their careers even more than no, you do. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Boston guy. I'm originally from Boston, living in California, of course, cause it's more beautiful out here, but um, you know, but I'm a Boston guy. And so, you know, guys like Kobe, you know, I hated Kobe, but then, you know, when he retired, I mean, before his death, I was like falling in love with him again. Cause he was such a nice, he was, he was, he was just being a great guy. He was great. You know? And it's like Derek Jeter, we used to always hate on him, but it's like, man, that guy just is such a gentleman. He's so nice to everybody. Like it's really hard to hate him. And, and Russell Wilson will probably be that guy for you too. I mean, like you got to hate him cause he just tears your heart out. But at the end of the day, it's like, how do I hate this guy? I mean, he just, you know, he smiles at everybody. He's just so nice with the, you know, what am I going to do? But yeah, for that, that's an aggressive ranking. Um, I have, you know, I have right now Justin Herbert at QB six. Um, and, I, you know, I have Burrow at QB eight. And, you know, those guys are really the top eight for me is really strong. You know, obviously with Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson being the other guys, that eight is really strong. And, you know, then you start looking at, you know, guys like um, Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Dak, I think, will be back. And for me, he has to be in that little that little group. The other guy that's sneaking into that that area for me is is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, they had a tough tough loss today, but uh, is is Corey Davis is he real? Is this happening? Is this the should fifth I, year breakout? Is this should it? I prepare myself because like my body is shaking a little <laughs> bit? I think this is is it happening? Is this an earthquake we're experiencing? Is that <laughs> are the faults dividing? What's what's happening here? I'm ready for it. I want Corey Davis in my life. Like you know. I, you know, my brother, uh, I, 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 I traded him, you know, that, that rookie year where it was Corey wow. Davis and, and Alvin Kamara and, and of course all the other running backs that were awesome, the, the top five. But, you know, I remember I, I had drafted, uh, how did that go? Oh, such a, it was so dirty. Oh, I had drafted, um, Kamara and he drafted Corey Davis and I, I traded, I, I traded him for Stefan Diggs and, and the Kamara and Davis were in the trade and there was first round picks and all this nonsense. And then I wanted Kamara back cause I really needed a running back and I traded Kamara back from him and I gave him Corey Davis back. And like, you know, and it's ever since that day, I've, I actually won the league three years in a row, of course, because I had Kamara as one of them and Gurley was another guy I had. And like, it just was, and, and he'll, and you know, so of course, he, he, we both loved Corey Davis. Like, you know, this wasn't the, like the league saw this trade and was like, what the f- fuck, man? Like, how did you just trade him Camara back? Like you just fucked up, you know, you gave him Camara. And he and I were both convinced that Corey Davis was going to be good. Like, even though he was kind of slow star, it was like game seven or five, six or whatever that year. And Camara was starting to take off. And, 
you know, point being here, Corey Davis was like worth that to us in our minds. You know, he was so good. We were convinced. And then he's been dog shit for like five years, as you point out. And like, just, just, he's been sitting on the back ends of everybody who drafted him's roster because no one can trade him for anything. And here we are. He broke out. Is this it? Is this the Devontae Parker moment? You know, I, I want it to be, sure. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I didn't buy into the love affair that so many, you know, dynasty to their chagrin did in, in Corey Davis. Um, so I was I was happy that I didn't invest high. Like I said, typically I, I'm I'm trying to move up to get the elite running backs in rookie drafts. And then once the wide receivers identify themselves or if I can get them at value, you know, uh, in the second or third round, like that's usually what I'm I'm attempting to do uh, throughout my rookie draft. So I, I didn't have any shares of Corey Davis, so I didn't experience that hurt. But uh, I think I I did vicariously through the owners that that did spend high picks on him, and and he was he was a tremendous prospect coming out. You know, he had like Terrell Owens comparisons, I believe, and uh, yeah, it just it it didn't materialize for whatever reasons and. You know, now is it I, happening, Rhino? Is it happening? You know I mean, these back things. to back weeks of of ten plus targets. Uh, you know he's got a a wonderful counterpart and AJ Brown on the other side, and you know Johnu Smith is also helping open things up. I don't know. I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know, but it's yeah, fun. I'm not sure either. I I tell you what, it's probably a good time to sell. But you know, at yeah. the end of the day, you know this 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 offense is a whole lot more efficient. Um, you know they've got a great running back. They've, like you say, they've got John. They've got they've got pieces around him. It, it might be that he just has now a, a, a better sort of supporting cast. The quarterback's playing better. Look, I'm here for it. I'm just a bit dubious, so we'll, we'll we'll hold off judgment. You know, one of the guys that I know I've been telling people about, and you know, um, and he kind of was half quiet today. He scored a touchdown. Albert O. Came out had a, had a big catch for a touchdown, but he also was targeted in the end zone for the game winning play. Um, Drew Locke threw it to him. I guess he was maybe on the twenty or thirty yard line, and he he looked for him in the corner of the end zone. He got interfered with, but he was going for Albert O to win the game. Um, Albert O's coming. It's happening. I'm just telling you, it's happening. Uh, are you buying or do you think I'm crazy? You know, I was able to pick Albert O up off the the wire heap, the the trash heap. Somebody had drafted him and cut him. And usually with rookie tight ends, I I usually avoid them because I I don't want them to clog up my roster. So again, I'm looking for that you know first breakout. Well, luckily enough for me, you know, Fant was hurt. I had Mark Andrews on a bye week, and and there Albert O was just sitting there on the wire, and I just plugged and played. He got me 14 points as a filler, and you know I'm. He's always going to have a, a soft spot in my heart after that. You know I love when guys come through when you need them, and uh, he's he's wearing Vernon Davis's number. He's got the athleticism of Vernon Davis. He's an exciting player, and of course he's already one of of Drew Locke's best friends. They were uh, you know roommates in college, and so of course he's trying to get his buddy the ball. And he's going to be looking his way. I don't know how long Drew Locke is going to hold this position of starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. They might be looking at a quarterback at the end of the year. Who knows? It's not like they they invested a ton of draft capital in him. And uh, he's had his struggles. He won today. 
but yeah, Albert O is a very intriguing prospect and they're, they're getting him involved. It's fun. He's coming. It's happening. I'll tell you the league that he's not available in the league I'm in with you because I, he's in, he's not available in any league I'm in. That's a fact. Um, because he is, he is probably a top 15 dynasty tight end for me right now. Um, I don't want any of these, you know, you, you're going to tell me that I, Mike Gesicki or Alberto in Dynasty? Who you got? I've never been on the Gesicki train, so Alberto <laughs> for me. I mean, it's crazy. You know, Gesicki. You know, I I said it at the beginning of the year. I threw him off a bridge, and there were some people that you know thought I was crazy. I I'm not so sure that he's going to be a long term NFL player. He's he's he he played slot receiver for this team that doesn't have any wide receivers. So if they get wide receivers, does that mean he's going to shift over to tight end? I don't know. I don't know what he is, but I know that he's not a tight end. You know, um, he's a move tight end. And right now that's, that's something that you've got to, you know, he got two targets. Um, I was looking at, uh, at Gusecki too. Um, he's had, he's had three games so far this year with more than three targets. I mean, what, what what are you doing? Um, he's when, he's not an elite tight end. He's just not no. going to be there. People were enamored with the athletic measurables. You know, he jumped out of the building. He was fast for his size, but you know, he's not really like thick in the the lower body. He's got narrow hips, and I think that hurts him in the in the in the blocking. You know, when keeping him on the field, and you know, there uh, Miami tries to get uh, Adam Shaheen involved and, and he was an exciting prospect in himself uh, yep. you know, a few years ago, but he dealt with a ton of injuries. And then, you know, now with the Tua factor, uh, the one thing about Tua uh, is he spreads the ball around a lot, right? He did that in college. So it's going to be tough sorting out, you know, who's, who is the, who is the alpha in that offense? Is it going to be? And, and that's another thing with quarterbacks. You always have to look. It's not always, okay, this receiver is going to be great with this quarterback or this tight end. It's A lot of it is quarterback tendencies. Some quarterbacks like throwing it to the outside receivers. Some quarterbacks like throwing it inside to tight ends and slot receivers. And, and you never really know how that's going to you know, work itself out until you see it in action. And so we saw the first glimpses of Tua today. Uh, he didn't have an overall great game. The defense carried the team to the win. But again, like I'm concerned about all the pass catchers on the Miami offense and if they could be, you know, reliable week in, week out starters for your team, including Devontae Parker. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, I, I'm concerned for a couple of those tight ends. I mean, Higby is another one that I'd be really concerned with. But let's let's just grab the bull by the horns and, and talk about you know our our rookie class, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, JT, Swift, Akers. Are we worried at all? Deep breath. <laughs> so You know, after today, a lot of a lot of things happened, right? Like I'm I'm gonna you know stick to my guns and and hold on to JT as as until I'm you know dead and rigor mortis is set in, and then he could try to pry him from me. So I, I still think JT is you know it's it's the rookie year. You got sometimes you have to you know just disregard what happens in the rookie year. You can't. 
put too much emphasis on what happens with rookies in their rookie year. Like some of the all-time greats had horrible rookie seasons. And then they bounced back their sophomore season and were able to put together, a, you know, sometimes Hall of Fame careers. Like Walter Payton was dog shit his rookie year. Rushed for, you know, barely over 600 yards, I believe zero touchdowns and like, you know, 3.5 yards a carry. And I consider him to be the greatest running back of all time. Um, Melvin Gordon, he got off to a slow start his rookie year. And, and so sometimes it just takes it takes a little time to work itself out. I was really discouraged today, uh, you know, in the Colts win that, you know, they found so much success. But, man, second half, it seemed like they really relegated JT to like, you know, third string running back. And, and yeah. so – yeah, it's not good, man. I, you know, obviously, you know, CEH uh, didn't have a big game. Swift, you know, JT Akers played a little bit. He's been on and off. I'm I'm not really worried about any of them, and I tend to agree with you that it's a rookie a rookie thing. Um, but at some point, you know, here we want to start seeing, you know, Jordan Wilkins getting 20 carries and yeah. you know JT getting 10 or whatever. That that that's not good. No. We don't like that. Um, you know, around these parts, me and Rhino, we don't like that. So especially it's, when it's a, Wilkins it's isn't even being efficient with his touches either. So it's like, it, it, I mean, uh, Naheem Hines was was efficient, but you know that's his, that's kind of his role. Uh, yeah, it was really frustrating seeing the lack of efficiency from all the running backs, and then you know JT kind of I don't know if he's in the doghouse or or what's going on but uh yeah it's a bit of a concern for this year especially you know the i, I paid a lot for him in, in a bunch of leagues because that's how much i believe in his talent and uh um you know he was my my favorite collegiate player over the last three years to watch so i've been you know i was r- relishing and waiting for that moment to draft him to you know pound the table and you know <laughs> JT, no matter what, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, absolutely. You, you, you were singing his praises, and you know, I was certainly w- right there with you. And you know, going to the Colts was great. I thought, you know, the dump off uh, tendencies of Rivers would be good for him, as he'd have a few extra catches. And you know, look, Hines wasn't. He had two big touchdown catches, but you know, he five carries for eight yards. I mean, he wasn't very efficient. Right. Wilkins actually kind of was. I mean, he had. 20 carries, 89 yards. I mean, it's not great, but Taylor was 11 for 22 today. I mean, two yards, two yards a clip. And, you know, I don't think that's who he is, but I think he's probably, I think he's kind of in those rookie doldrums right now. And, and look, they rode the hot hand and, and it was that, I mean, it, it, it was, it could have been worse, I suppose. I mean, you know, um, uh, CEH didn't get much at all. Um, you know, he was he was basically uh, what did he have? Let me just take a quick peek. I, 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 he had six carries today, um, in and three targets. So now, granted, they just had whatever they wanted throwing the football, so they didn't really even need to run the ball, which is just kind of crazy. I mean, they just were they were just shredding him all the way around, and and the Jets are coached by the worst you know coaching staff on the planet. Uh, Greg Williams continues uh, to show how much of a shitty person and coach he is. Congratulations, Greg. You're welcome on the pod anytime you want. <laughs> Defend your honor. Bring it. Uh, but uh, actually, you're not welcome. Get the hell out of here. Throw you over a bridge. You're gone. 
But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm nervous a little bit about these things only because, you know, you draft these guys, you try to see something start to sort of take hold middle of the season where we can say, okay, now's the time when these guys are going to really, you know, start to assert themselves. And for him to lose 20 touches to, uh, to Jordan, Jordan Wilkins was that, that one hurt a little bit today. I gotta be honest with you. That one, that one didn't feel so good, but I would look at it as a, as a buying window. You know, I was, I'm looking to try and per, you know, acquire uh, acres wherever I can. I think he's going to be a stud. I guess right now you do the same with CEH with JT and with Swift and, Obviously, Dobbins showed out. He was the winner today of that of the, of the of the five rookie running backs. Dobbins looked great. What a surprise, right? Who could have Who could have seen that coming? With a bunch of touches, he was really efficient and had a big game. What? Right. Yeah, all he did was show us that for three years at Ohio State and, uh, <laughs> and every single game so far this year right. too, right? Yeah, and yet, yet Gus Edwards still got sixteen carries in this game. Yes, yes, he did. It's unbelievable. But yeah, and Gus Edwards was pretty good too. And of course he vultured the touchdown. And but you know, Dobbins is still a buy for me. I, I think in this offense he's of gonna be that's that's kind of what you're gonna see next year is Dobbins gonna get those 15, 16, 17 carries a game. And they'll have either Gus Edwards or someone like him to take on the 10 to 15 carries because they run a lot, you know. So uh, you looked at it today. It was 15, 16, and 16, Lamar, uh, Gus, and, and Dobbins. So that's about what they're going to do, right? They're going to run it a ton, and and they were pretty successful doing so, even against the Steelers, which I didn't think they were going to be able to run like that. I, I really, I actually sat Dobbins in a few spots where I uh, could have played him because I wasn't sure he was going to, um, yeah, I thought it might be 15 carries, but 45 yards, right? Right. And no, he was he was really good. He's so good, man. I don't know if you yeah. saw him today. He was so good. Oh, I did. And you know what? It's interesting. They they lost uh, Stanley early in the game to yeah. what looked like a season-ending injury. It is. It's so, a broken ankle. Yeah. So, you know, not having your left tackle in there, you'd think they might slow down a little bit or but yeah, both both Edwards and and Dobbins uh, you know, both hyper efficient and they nearly pulled out that victory today. Um yeah, I I think he's going to be a tremendous player, you know, going forward, and and I, I do think that he he is going to get the Kamara treatment a little bit, you know, on the pitch count, and I I think that that's some coaches are moving in that direction uh, to keep the health of the player right that you don't want to overuse them, over, like you know, maximize their workload, especially in their rookie year when they you know they're only used to playing you know, 12, 13 games. And now all of a sudden they're, they're playing 16 games plus playoffs if they get there. Um, and with, with Jonathan Taylor and some of the rookies, I think they're just overthinking things. They're not, they're not, they're not yet in that rhythm. They're not yet in the fluidity of, of just being a hundred percent confident in the playbook. And so you see them kind of telegraphing a little bit out there and like, you could see the wheels turning, Whereas in college, you know, they were big men on campus. They didn't care who the opponent was. They knew the playbook, you know, and and they're just going to go out there and, and let their God-given abilities take over. And their vision comes out. And, the, you know, you haven't really seen the vision in JT. So, but again, I think it's it's just that rookie processing. They're overthinking things. They're, they're, they're trying so hard not to make the mistake that they're missing the hole or they're missing yeah. – you know, the cutback or, or whatever it is, you know, so uh, you need, you need two years. Like you said, like most of the running back breakouts happened in year two 
And I think that all these guys are, you know, moving towards that trajectory and, and we shouldn't be too concerned. I think Cam Akers, I was, I was lower on Cam Akers than the consensus coming into, you know, from the, like, I liked him in college, but I thought he was a really raw prospect. And, you know, like you said, I was high on Daryl Henderson coming out. You and I kind of, like we said, you skate to where the puck is going. I didn't see Todd Gurley lasting much longer on the Rams. So the idea, the prospect of, of Daryl Henderson stepping into that, that workhorse role in a Sean McVay offense, like, like that's that black box you talked about. Your mind starts to go wild with imagination of what this, you know, 2000 yard rusher in college, like the most, the guy that averaged 10 yards a carry on Memphis, you know, he, he was unbelievable. He and was. by the way, another, another guy, I mean, you know, Antonio Gibson and Kenny Gainwell, y'all, uh, yes. y'all, y'all, that's my boy. So I'm I'm getting really yeah, that's excited. That's a running about back name if I ever heard one. Oh my god, it's so good. Right? Like he that thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's exactly right. If you're playing Madden and Kenny Gainwell is coming out of Memphis, you're like, that's my that's my boy. I'm drafting him right now. That's oh, he's such a great name. Well. He's getting yards well for my team. Oh, he's so it's so <laughs> it's so cool. So yeah, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping he shows out a little bit. And I think I'll I'll uh I'll definitely roster a bunch of Kenny Gainwell because you know, the more I look at the way that this this draft class is gonna is gonna land, it's like certainly the the three quarterbacks or maybe more are gonna go ahead of him. The two running backs, uh, you know, Najee and um, and Etienne and and maybe Chuba Hubbard. So now you got you know there's seven eight. You know, I haven't even talked about Bateman and Jamar Chase, Rondell Moore, uh, Waddle. I think Kenny Gainwell is gonna be a second round pick in a lot of these drafts, and I don't, I don't see a real big path for him to become a first round pick. I mean, it's going to be hard. So these early second round picks are going to be very valuable, right. um, you know, in, in the 2021 class. And that's not even getting to the guys that, you know, uh, Tylan Wallace, Tam- uh, Terry, uh, hard to say his first name, Tamori and Terry. And, you know, all these guys that, you know, uh, Terrace Marshall and all these guys, you know, Pitts, right. Friarmouth. Loaded. Like there's, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to sort of soak up into that second round. So, you know, uh, value those second round picks in 2021. You know, we'll see exactly how deep that second round is based on who comes out and who doesn't. But Kenny Gainwell, another one that I'm, I'm super excited about. Oh, I'm, but, I'm very excited for him. I, I yeah. have him as my RB4 going into this year, and he's he's really Me neck too. and neck with Chuba. Yeah. Like, Chuba's taking a, like, he's taking a little bit of a step back this year. Um, You know, he's he's – he hasn't been as efficient as he was last, like last year, he just exploded onto the scene. No doubt. And no uh, doubt. so I, I still think he is a, you know, NFL caliber running back. And of course, all these guys, like it depends on their landing spot and, you know, the brain trust and the coaching staff to provide them the opportunities to succeed. It's all about the opportunities at the end of the day, you get drafted. That's your, your you know, your first barrier of entry. I think once you get drafted, it's like, or even if you're, if you make a roster, you have the talent to produce. It's just about if if the you know the staff trusts you enough to give you the ball uh, to see if you can produce or not. <laughs> yeah, the, it, it, I'm with you. And so I've got another good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna workshop this with you. It was on the show sheet. Yeah, I looked at my rankings, uh, my dynasty rankings with uh, with my undroppables brethren, and. I am alone on an island with my tight end five coming into the week. 
And I have been thinking that that stud who I have at tight end five, who none of my, none of my uh, fellow rankers agree with me, they have him lower than that. But I'm thinking about moving him up. And here's my question. Is TJ Hawkinson moving ahead of either Mark Andrews or Darren Waller in Dynasty? You may not even have him as high as I have him, so you could tell me, hell no. But but he looked pretty good again today. He's kind of the chalk, right? Like, who didn't think that he was going to be a stud tight end? Like, he was drafted, what, 10th or whatever overall. I mean, this kid is the real deal, and he's young. He's in his second year. Right. Tight ends take a little bit to break out. He was hurt was last he 22, year. 23 years old. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm all in here. I am yeah. all in. Yeah, you know, I have no issues at all whatsoever with with putting TJ there. Last year I had, you know, he went high in rookie drafts and I I I don't I don't, you know, usually advise, you know, spending that type of rookie draft capital on a tight end even when they get tremendous NFL draft capital. Um I actually liked his his counterpart Noah Fant coming out cuz I could get him for cheaper and I, I just thought he was going to be more involved in the offense, which early on it looked like that was the case. But yeah, you're, this year, TJ is just, he's turned it on. We knew it was going to happen. It seems like, you know, everything's clicking for him now. Uh, and the big thing was, again, was like Matt Stafford. Like traditionally, he wasn't a tight end targeter, right? Like they, they had drafted Ebron really high years before, and that didn't really pan out for him. And then, when he moved on to Indianapolis and now with Pittsburgh, he's, he's found success outside of Detroit. So I was always a little worried. Like is, is Matt Stafford a tight end type quarterback? Cause he seems to like to throw to the outside receivers a lot, but uh, yeah, everything, you know, putting together this year, uh, TJ Hawkins, that, that game winning touchdown last week, putting together a solid performance this week. Yeah. I have no problem whatsoever putting him at tight end five. My only concern would probably be the uncertainty of of how long Matt Stafford plays. Sure, I I I, I guess I'm okay with that. But um, you know, we, if we're talking about who's going to replace Matt Stafford, maybe it's going to be one of these guys that we're talking about in the 21, 22, or 23 class who will probably be even better for for them going forward. So we know that. Uh, Matt Patricia is bad enough for them to get a premium pick, so they can definitely, uh, definitely, uh, you know, rise themselves up in the draft order, right? I mean, they're they're going to go right to the top of the standings when it comes to draft order. They're going to be number one. We are number one. That's what Detroit can say. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're 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 now what uh, two and four, two and five. Um, is that right? They're two and five. Is that right? So yeah, I mean, they're you know. Um, they're kind of a they're kind of a mess there, and I think they're probably going to find a way to replace uh, Stafford at some point. Anyway, I'm I'm real concerned about Stafford's health. Uh, he was actually really good today. The defense is terrible. There's there's going to be a coaching change there. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of changes there. So, um, but one thing won't change. T.J. Hawkinson is awesome at football. Um, he's a great blocker. He comes. He, he's on the field for every down. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he plays every down, but he. He can play in every game situation. I think I had shared, you know, the the the, the data on Mike Gusecki. He has played um, he has played more than uh, eight running downs in a game only twice this season. Like mm. 
they just don't play him on running downs. Like he's played 40 running downs all year or something like that. Like I can't block. That's why. Yeah, I mean, right. So he's just, they're, they're like, he's like, he's a passing down specialist and you know, so it, it's just not, that's not good because now you can't be multiple and you can't be sneaky and, uh, you know, they know what you're doing and they just cover you and that's that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a problem. And, you know, obviously with, with uh, Hawkinson, that is not an issue because he can play on any down. He's a little baby Kittle. Speaking of baby Kittles, one last, one last guy I want to mention, he had another good game today and I'm not sure if he's starting to, to emerge or if he's just having a few, uh, you know, a few games that are, that are, that are shining. Robert Tunyon, is he is he for real or is this a is this a mirage? I don't even know, and I'm supposedly the tight end whisperer. Yeah, I, yeah, I've heard him. You know, has the nickname Baby Kittle. Uh, he looks the part. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers seems to like to target him at least every other game, and uh, I, yeah, I think he could be the real deal. I like him. Um, I know they got Sternberger involved a little bit more last week. He had a touchdown. And we were kind of expecting him to to be the guy, right? Like he was, he had the third round draft capital. He was a receiving tight end in college, and so we were all kind of like waiting for the burger to to emerge. But here comes Tanyan, you know, wearing eighty five, you know, with the uh, baby Kittle status, and and yeah, I think he's a legit tight end. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I I don't know what to make of him. I mean, he's definitely a guy I picked up everywhere. I wrote him up. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I, I had someone kind of come at me for, you know, asking to see my credentials and my ID card on the D- Darnell Mooney fan club um, <laughs> today, which was fun. But, you know, I'm hey, like a no, real Einstein. Yeah, exactly. Total, 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 uh, total Einstein over there. But, you know, hey, they let anybody in this Twitter, you know, anybody, <laughs> you know, they let anybody in. So, you know, obviously the riffraff finds their way through. But. But, you know, I remember when I wrote the, on week one, you know, week one, I wrote about Darnell Mooney, you know, way behind the curve. And, of course, I wrote about him uh, and talked about him on the pod before the season and all that stuff. But forget all that. Uh, that that same week one sort of thread I put together, half an article, whatever you want to call it, I kind of put it on Twitter just so that it could be consumed there. I wrote about Tanya. And he didn't, he didn't get targeted or catch anything, but he played like 75% of snaps and – you know, that was like enough for me, you know, if they, if he's good enough and, and I'd heard about his athleticism, you know, um, he, he's kind of a come from nowhere type player. So, you know, that's kind of what you're looking for. I mean, if he's, if he's a lightning in a bottle, Antonio Gates came from nowhere too, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he's Antonio Gates. I'm just saying they come from nowhere sometimes. Um, you know, the way you're going to find him is to be first. And I've got him in a lot of dynasty leagues now. And, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of uh, trade offers for him. Uh, I'm just kind of hoping he he, 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 he pans out. Uh, but, you know, he looks good. He looks good out there. He, he, you know, he's, he moves fast. He's big and strong. Like he's, he kind of looks the part and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, if he likes throwing to him, that's, that's kind of all I need to know about him. Right. And um, you know, so, so far for the rest of the season, I think he's a top 12 uh, option. Would you agree with that? I think I would. And, you know, he's definitely serviceable week in, week out. I don't know that I would shell out anything to acquire him if, if he's already rostered. It's it's one of those players where it's like you feel great about it that you've got him for free. Um, but as far as like giving up any type of draft capital or even moving him for another player, 
like you said, I, we still have to maybe see a little bit more. Is it, is it a flash in the pan just for this year? Or is it something that we can count on moving forward, you know, year in, year out? He's young enough to, you know, if they want to uh, keep him in the, the role and position he's in now, uh, they can certainly do that, the Green Bay Packers. But, uh, you know, this coaching staff has a way of, of uh, doing things that we all don't understand from time to time, you know, so. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, anything could change with that, with that team. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm I'm not going to go out and actively buy him or anything, but uh, if I was able to pick him up off the waiver wire like you were, um, yeah, I'm going to keep him and and see what happens. Yeah, and I, you know, he's one of those guys that I think, you know, there's a lot of trades like this. Like I don't go out and often trade for a guy. You know, hey, I want to acquire Tanyan from you. Let me see what I can give you. It's sometimes difficult to do, but what I always like to do is try and you know create a a trade where there's a few pieces going each way. And, you know, try and find out what that the Tanyan owner is looking for, you know, and he, he may not value him as well. And and you sort of find that out by by going back and forth with a few offers. So, you know, but Tanyan is a player that I'd like to acquire because, you know, he may, you know, hey, he, you may be talking to someone like like Ryan, who is not as enamored with him, not to say that you're not in on him, but you know, it wouldn't be that hard to get them from you, it sounds like. And I, I kind of feel the same way. It probably wouldn't be that hard. So, you know, if there was a trade where something else is happening that I like, uh, I might throw him into that deal to sort of get what I want. And so if you're kind of getting what you want it, out of a deal, but you're also adding Tanyan, that could be a nice that could be a nice deal. And that's that's always been a big strategy of mine is, you know, kind of put some of the other guys in there that you might want. Uh, and make a trade that sort of behooves the other, the other, the other manager. But you know, on that note, we're 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 running up against it. I mean, I could talk to you all night. We we literally talked for almost an hour before we even get on the damn thing. So uh, you're just a ton of fun to talk to. But you know, tell the people if you will where they can find you on Twitter and and what else you may or may not be up to that you might want to share with the peeps. Yeah, you can find me at at Real Rhinos R Y N O S. I'm actually working on a new fantasy platform called Squad. Uh, it's not going to be ready for a couple years. Pretty big, uh, pretty big project. But uh, essentially, I want to you know bring some deeper metrics into your gameplay, where you know you click on the player cards and you're able to see all of the advanced metrics and you know athletic profile, all that, all on their player profile, all on, all on their their uh, their player card. Um, I, I just I'm tired of of having to go from site to site or platform to platform to be able to digest all of the content that I want to. And so I think that by having like a, a stock tracker, if you will uh, be able to real time track player values in dynasty, I think it'll, it'll be able to, if, if you could see that, that information visually uh, some of, you know, the, the less inclined players to go out and do their own research, you know, maybe it'll help them not get, <laughs> not get totally fleeced in, in uh, dynasty trades, you know, cause that's never fun for the league when, when a noob or, or somebody that's, you know, not, not keeping their finger on the pulse is, you know, trading away valuable assets for dirt. Well, well, Ryan, all the people listening to this podcast love fleecing people for trades because <laughs> that's why they listen. You know, if you found this podcast, you're a degenerate or somehow awesomely into Dynasty because, you know, 
uh, you know, that's who I am. I'm, I'm the, I'm the dino game theory. You know, I'm trying to bring on people who know what's going on with dynasty. I'm trying to sharpen my sword and become a better dynasty player. And, you know, the hard part is sometimes talking about it, you know, and th- this, this pod, I, I, I work real hard to try and make it a, a fun pod to listen to and, and to try and bring some value. And, you know, I love what you're doing with squad. I mean, you obviously, uh, you and I have talked about it in the past and, you know, I think your, your idea is right on the money and, you know, execution will be where you rise or fall with this thing. And, you know, obviously I wish you the best and I've already told you I'd help you in any way I can, but you know, I'm not necessarily the guy that's going to, that's going to turn that ship and, and, and make it launch. You know, you're that guy and I know you're doing everything right now. So, you know, as that, as that becomes available, I think it's, it's going to be something that's uh that's a game changer for sure. You know, if only you had a million bucks, eh? you know, I mean, uh, what, what money can buy you because that data is very expensive, you know, and, and if you're going to curate it on your own, it's, it's very expensive, <laughs> you know, however you're going to get it, whether you purchase it or, or develop it, it takes either time and, and manpower or money to purchase. So it, it's a lot of work. And if you're doing it longhand and, and trying to, trying to put it all together uh, with blood, you know, with sweat equity, it's, 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 it's not easy. So I'm totally sympathetic, you know, with what we're doing over at the Undroppables. It's like we run into those same things. And, you know, we've got a, uh, you know, a huge group of, of guys who are, you know, basically all volunteers. I mean, some of us have some ownership stake in, in, in the Undroppables. And, but ultimately, we're all kind of there to do it on our own and, and to make something of it. So it, it's, uh, we get it, man. We totally understand how hard it is. We've got a back end tool coming. And, you know, unless you're invested in, that's the hard part. So, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep shouting about that vision. I know you'll, I know you'll, uh, you'll, you'll push through. Well, that's the great part, you know, about being plugged into this community. Uh, it's, I, it's one of the greatest communities I've ever been a part of the fantasy football community on Twitter. And one of the great things is, is, you know, you've been on here for a couple of years now, just like I have. And my network has, has grown tremendously and my, my acum uh, and my knowledge for just how to approach, you know, year in, year out, what to do. And, uh, it, it's, it's ever growing. And, uh, there's, there's passionate people like you and I, and there's no shortage of it. And so that's why you're able to, to find, you know, people are, are, uh, you know, overwhelmingly helpful in this community. And, and they, we're all thirsty for the content. We're all, you know, we, we want to be on, the laser edge of, of, uh, you know, information anywhere we can. And so by doing these things, I think it allows us, you know, to really have our ear to the ground, our finger on the pulse. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can win some championships uh, along with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I've had more fun playing dynasty fantasy football than just about anything. Uh, fantasy football is great, but you know, being right or wrong about a guy and having to live with it for multiple years is, is either torture or uh, utter joy. So, you know, and, and getting off a guy at the right time when you know, he's about to flame out or, you know, you know, it's just all so much fun. And uh, you know, the off season is almost more fun than the regular season. You know um, I had a friend who turned a team from bottom, you know, worst to first. And, you know, I was basically the best team in that league. And he, I don't know if he's leapfrogged me. He's, he's outscored me so far this year. And, um, you know, so much fun. Like he, he literally turned this whole team around. It was a lot of fun to watch happen. He did fleece a newbie to get there, which, Hey, (laughs) look at, you know, it's part of the game, you know? And that's the thing is like, you know, knowing who the new guy is and 
you know, chumming up to him saying, Hey buddy, let me, let me show you how this all works, man. You know, let me show you around, you know, um, is, is, is a great strategy and, you know, be nice and friendly to the new guys. Don't, don't tell them they're stupid because they're not going to want to trade with you. So, you know, yeah. So he did a good job. He, he, you know, he, he, he took him for everything he was worth. And, you know, now he's got, now he's got, you know, uh, Mahomes and Kelsey who he stole from this guy. So, Hey, look, you know, it's terrible, but you know, it is what it is. All is fair. As long as everybody's paying their money, it is a real money league. And, and he paid his money and the, and the new paid his money. I'm sure they're colluding. Uh, you know, uh, I hope he's listening and, you know, we know they're colluding, but you know, we feel bad for him, you know, because it's all he's got is this dynasty league. You know, he's got nothing else going on in his life. So anyway, I'm just joking. I'm just having some fun here at the end of the show. But, uh, <laughs> Hey Ryan, you know, can you just help me out? I know that you, you were in the uh, dynasty game theory invitational, I invited you in the league, and I think you're in first place. Uh, who are you playing this week? I'm actually getting dalvined <laughs> right now by the infamous Jax Falcone. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm getting torched. I was 6-1. and one. You know, I've got one of those teams where, you know, it, it feels like a rocky week every week, and I, I somehow am, you know, pulling out victories and, and staying atop the totem pole, but who knows how long that'll last, and, you know, with – I've never been in a three starting quarterback league. So we have we have two super flex spots and one quarterback spot. So you're you're gonna want to start three quarterbacks every week. Uh so the dynamics of that league are really interesting and and uh you know just seeing like the the value dynamics of each player, how it differs from a traditional super flex league or a traditional one quarterback league. It's a yeah, lot it's very interesting. It's a 10 man league. So, you know, so the three quarterback, you know, you everybody could have three. Obviously, not everybody does have three. It it is. It's kind of interesting. It was it was uh I've never played in a league like it either. I kind of I probably got real high and just thought about it and just thought it would be fun to do and I invited a bunch of guys to to try and make it work. And of course, you're leading the league, but you know, I think uh, you know, I I think it's going to be competitive uh come playoff time. You know, that's the thing too, is obviously it was, a, it was a startup this year and, you know, there aren't any real bad teams in there. I think I'm second to last place, but I'm like third or fourth in points. So, you know, it's been kind of one of those leagues where, you know, it, and that's usually what happens sometimes in the, in the first year of a dynasty league is, you know, it's like a, it's a redraft league, you know, I mean, basically, you know, everybody kind of has a chance, but, you know, as, as the, as the league moves forward and guys start to change their strategy and sell off assets, then all of a sudden you get this the separation. So, you know, I'm sure I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll take over here so soon. So enjoy your time at the top, you know, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Hey, it may be short lived. No, it's all good. Know, man. It's, it's a ton of fun. fun. It's half luck. It's like anything else, you know, uh, yeah, sure. it's, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I appreciate you coming on the pod. I love it. Uh, for all you guys listening, man, keep, keep, keep it coming. Keep the feedback coming on Twitter. Like I said, every time I hear from people, it, it really, you know, it helps. Even if you tell me I suck, um, I do want to hear it, you know, because uh, trying to be better, trying to have a lot of fun and, and trying to give you guys something that you want to listen to every week. And, you know, can't wait to can't wait to turn on the tunes and, and, and get it going. And while you're listening to this today, because this is going to come out like Tuesday early morning, um, you know, listen to this and, and, and don't worry. No matter who wins the, the presidency, we're going to have some old senile, crazy ass son of a bitch in the White House. So it don't matter. All right, guys, have a great, uh, great day and, and, and peace out.